So, uh, Alex, uh, nice to sit down with you. Maybe you could tell us a little bit about what, what your business has. Yeah, great, Ben. Um, so Marsh Pharma is a specialist recruitment company within the area of healthcare, particularly in planned and elective within the independent sector across the UK and now Middle East. Um, a human-led organisation that is always always prioritising the bigger vision of improving healthcare through great people coming together. Um, we're a team of three. We were a team of four. Um, we had a, another guy on the team, but he went to be uh, a primary school teacher and amazing to do so. He's so passionate about that. And I think if I was to underline our company in any way, it's just a, a bigger commitment to, to things outside of ourselves. And, and healthcare seems to be a nice sweet spot for that. We all have a an uncle, a grandmother or whatever that may be that has some sort of health challenges. And if we can help bring people that have a real commitment to that, to great organisations, then we feel as though we're doing our part as well. So um Hopefully that gives you a good insight. Very nice. So uh, I know we had a, I did a, a bit more informal introduction. Maybe for the recording, I'll do a slightly more formal one. Uh, so I'm Ben Batten, the, the founder of Eureka, which is a life science focused recruitment business. Um, I, I, I know I don't lock it, but I've been in recruitment for 21 years. Um, started in Australia and I've worked my way from Australia to the UK. Um, worked in Asia for, for 12 years. Uh, been in the UK for four um, and also run teams in Europe and, and the US. Um, my I started out in finance recruitment, um, worked for Hayes, so cut my teeth there, um, worked for a couple of other larger brands as well. Um, company I was working for got acquired last year and that was kind of the nudge that I needed to start my own business, which which I'm doing. So there's two of us at the moment, uh, just come out of my non-compete. So uh, very excited about the opportunities that that presents and I think, you know, one of the things that you said, and certainly whilst I see a lot of opportunity within sort of healthcare and life sciences, um, you know, one of my motivations has been, you know, the, the impact of, um, you know, diseases and cancer specifically within my family to, to work with companies that, that are at the cutting edge of that. So very purpose-driven um, and, you know, trying to bring, you know, some of the things we're going to talk about, obviously, uh, in technology and the human aspect, but really bring the human centric focus back to recruitment, because I think, you know, that's got a little bit lost and certainly, you know, in the last couple of years, I've seen very volume driven, PSL driven, um, portal driven, uh, all the stuff that we hate and, and trying to partner with those organizations where you can actually, you know, interact, advise, consult, and, um, you know, help be part of something bigger than just putting a bum on a scene. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're definitely aligned there, Ben. And I also think, from being brave enough and, and and courageous enough that actually there's it, it makes sense as well and i think there's so many recruiters that maybe because of the way it's always been and the control metrics in don't always feel brave enough and courageous enough to go and ask that question but i we've certainly seen over the last two or three years in particular the you put yourself in the service position and actually offer that approach that you just alluded to there there's so many clients that are crying out for that partner that person to really stand shoulder to shoulder with them as well right and to, to really help them be what is a challenge, right? Work, workforce solutions is, is something that's not just been since I've been doing it for five years, you've seen it for 21 years and it's not going away, right? It's going to keep showing up in different capacities. And I think for any client or friend or whoever that may be, it's it's them knowing that there's someone who's an expert and sitting next to them and saying, no, we're, we're going to get this right together. Because um, PSL, contingent work, and, and we certainly have frustrations as all recruiters do. Like, I don't think it really serves the end the client really does it i think there's a control measure that needs to be there because unfortunately um not everyone thinks this way ben or has this this approach but i think if people get the right partner and the right people come together then uh say that's as i alluded to earlier that's where i think the magic can happen in, in bringing people um into the right organization so so um we had a couple of questions we we're going to talk about um and, and if you're fine i'll kick off with the, the, the top one um what are good recruiters doing right now to maximize the moment and um I think the obviously we're working slightly different geographic markets, but we're probably seeing a lot of the same thing. And I think um, it's it's been I'm looking at this through a very different lens because I've gone from managing the teams and now I'm back on desk um, for the first time in a while. So it's you know, I still know how to ride the bike and I ride the bike pretty well. Um, but it's it has been very interesting to see just what. Um, what works and what doesn't work. So, and that's kind of been quite fun in that in that respect. But I think one of the things that's really struck me is there's so much 
use of technology by agencies in varying forms. Um, clients have access to a lot of similar or the same tools. Um, and we're working in, whilst there's certainly chronic skill shortages in niche areas, I think in the niche areas that we work, um, there is still a common theme of, you know, layoffs in a lot of organisations. So it's just a reallocation of you know, resources, essentially, um, companies that have got more funding or new projects or, um, and of course, there's, you know, changes related to, you know, even with Brexit, the flow of talent in and out of the UK has had a, had a big impact. But I think um, what, what I'm seeing is if you go back to, um, you know, years gone by before we had sequencing tools and before we had AI and everything else, there was heavy, heavy emphasis. And certainly when I started, it was you're on the phone. There was no other tool to use apart from being on the phone. Yeah. Um, and that's ultimately, I think I think we're, we're getting back to this. We've, we've got to be on the phone more, but it's not just, hi, do you have any jobs? Where you've got to invest your time and effort is actually understanding a bit more about the client. So you know, what, are their, what are their pain points? What's going on within their organisation? Are there any other trends around that? Um, and trying to have a conversation about how you can help solve that problem rather than it just being a very transactional because there's, there's other companies you know and for businesses our size we're not going to be able to fill a project put 100 people into you know let's find 100 nurses or let's find 100 clinical researchers tomorrow that's not what what we're set up for um but i think it's being able to have those slightly more strategic conversations without over complicating it there are other, there are people that over complicate recruitment um and and developing a partnership where you can actually bring some tangible value um, for the fee, um, and, and I think that that's that's you know, the more and more I talk to people, it's you know it's almost like I hear this sigh of relief from from people where they're like, oh, actually, I can have an, a proper intelligent conversation with somebody. Yeah, yeah, I, I completely agree, and I, I think in terms of maximizing the moment, you, I, I like the the sort of phrase you're going down around the simplification of really what recruitment is it's I like talking to Greg Savage earlier as well I liked his um I did one of his talks in London and he's you know when people say recruitment isn't rocket science and he's like well no it's harder than rocket science and and it's easy to to overcomplicate it and uh and I agree with this point because we're we're dealing with the most complex uh I guess product if you like in the world a human being right there's there's a rocket isn't going to turn around and say that they're their personal life's changed so that they can't go into the job. I think it's the skill set and their a skill set of a recruiter and a consultant to understand the human behavior behind any process. Um, software, AI, technology are things that are, are certainly here to stay and will be there. But ultimately, um, their products, their software for a reason, and they have a schedule and a forecast and that helps. But ultimately, the, the human being and being side by side with both clients and candidates and taking them on that journey together is a is a is a depth. And an understanding as a recruiter that you need to have to be able to manage that really effectively. Um, so I, I agree with all you say, and I certainly think from the best recruiters I've been speaking to, and the ones that, because it says in it, if it was always if the industry was was consistent across the board, everyone had the same answer, wouldn't they? To how's your market doing? What's going on? But there's evidently a a bit of the recruiter to be able to take responsibility and see the opportunity in anything, and I think it's those that. Are, a courageous and brave and lean into the, the difficult conversation and yes i know mr. mr client or mr candidate this is a tough time this is this is a, a challenging period but i'm here i'm with you and i'm an expert as well i think niching down is something that has been talked about for a long time but even more important in terms of giving market insight in terms of being able to be a consultant and for the client to get off the phone to be like you know what ben or alex i, I trust they're going to do what they say they're going to do and i trust that they're going to deliver for me that's the sort of uh, moment you spoke about before that I think they're looking for, as opposed to say just just someone reading off a a script or a sheet and asking the same questions that every other person does. It's uh, I, I certainly think it's those that are brave enough to really get deep into the relationship and to 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 be empathetic, to be understanding, and to be uh, yeah really present um, within any interaction. Yeah, I, and I, I we've almost gone full circle. But I, I I remember there was a period. Um, where um, a lot of boutique agencies set up, whether it was, and it was predominantly around IT, uh, there was, this is probably going back, I'd say 10, 12 years ago, because it was around the same time that I set up a business in Singapore. Um, but clients were kind of rebelling against that and saying, no, we want a one-stop shop, somebody that can give us, 
you know, whether it's the corporate, you know, sales, finance, HR, plus the technical roles. Um, so we don't have to deal with multiple people. But I think that there's a real trend. And I just look at the number of people. I've got um, a picture on my wall with a couple of people that I view as my competitors that I kind of track to see what they're doing. But when I did buy business plan, just looking at who who are the competitors and then some of the individuals that have come out of those businesses and then set up so I can see what they're doing with their marketing and other bits. Um, and clients are increasingly receptive to that, to your point, you know, being very, very niche. And that might just be, well, I only do clinical research. Now I do a little bit more than that, but I'm, I'm very targeted around who my ideal client is. Um, but that's very compelling to a client rather than, well, actually we deal with startup organisations and we deal with the, the big you know, FTSE 100 companies, um, having have a very clear view of, yes, we can help you with that or, or no, we can't. And and again, I, I had a, a client last week and I said, I'm really sorry, that's just not something I can help with. They were, they were gobsmacked and they said, well, we really want to work with you. And I said, well, I'm conf not confident I can support you on it, so I'd rather not. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, I, I'm just thinking about a recent, um, we've gone through a, a tender process for a new client and, and the feedback was, was really really productive around the the presentation the human element the things we do in the niche we work in and they just said look we have a a greater complexity of of, of demand and, and you guys are telling me you only do this and i think probably before i may have i may have considered being like no we can do that as well we can do that we can do that but actually if we come back down to the, the base of what we do we're a service business that wants to add value and if we're promising over promising and under delivering that's not the that's not the balance you want to strike right it's the it's being confident in knowing you know what there's a real value add that we bring to this certain clientele and market at the moment now that doesn't mean in through growth and other things we can't serve that in the future but right now it's just been really courageous in what we do do really really well and, and focusing on the people that we can add that to and i think clients respect that as well i think their their feedback was that but they were so certainly refreshed by the fact we were no, this is our lane we're really really good at this lane and we you know, we know where you are if anything changes in the future. Um, and I think it's 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 a confidence in your own brand and your own value that, that that will pay enough dividend in the future that you really stay there. So um yeah, we'll see as say one of the questions, what does the future of the next 12 to 18 months look like for recruiters? And I think hopefully for people that think like that and behave like that, that it's going to be a really productive time and a really successful time for their their clients and their own businesses. But um we shall see, right? Yeah. That that leads leads in quite nicely, I think, to to your to the second point there. Should should a recruitment business be retained or stay as contingent? Um, and I think we've probably got fairly strong views on this. But uh, do you want to go first? Yeah, yeah, and I imagine we're we're both aligned on. Well, I was saying actually, I think coming back to my ideal is is always retained because I think it, the level of the relationship, the value exchange, and the actually, I think one thing for the client is the brand presentation in the market as well. That actually having one point of contact and that's again coming back to ai and software and all those technology things we get to use in recruitment that anyone can find anyone right and it's then the engagement model the 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 message that goes to them as you said off the the recording around the the greg savage uh influence on the phone and the seduction all those things that from a class point of view if you have a recruiter that is solely working with you the confidence that then gives your recruiter to be able to, to speak your language speak your organization to really represent you in an honest and open way and when i say honest i mean warts and all i don't mean in terms of um just not speaking the truth but actually being able to go even deeper into the truth because there's a real confidence in the relationship and, and an understanding and as a retained partner you're on site you're present with the team you can really speak the the opportunity in the organization which on the the back end the candidate's going to respect so much more and we all know candidates that have been engaged by companies that use big psls and, and some organizations because one thing i was going to say in response is that when you have huge organizations that are thousands or FTSE 100 companies say thousands of employment one company isn't going to necessarily be able to do it but i think certainly from a retained point of view and the clients we work with that having that brand recognition and reputation being championed from them through the recruiter is something that really has value from a candidate point of view. To say when you're a candidate, you've been contacted by five different recruiters about the same job and message is inconsistent. What does that say about, or what does the candidate feel about the organization? It's necessarily the legacy that they're looking to, 
to to leverage um, within their own brand to get the best people, especially in healthcare, right, where there's such a, a talent shortage. And if you want the best people in terms of the supply and demand graph, the candidate holds the power in, in quite a lot of the capacity. So it's how do we how do we then do that in a way that that makes them want to join your organisation, right? Yeah, and it's um, I mean. I think everybody would put their hand up and say, yes, I'd love, love to be retained. Um, it's 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 certainly my preferred way of working. Um, and I can think of countless examples where I've spoken to clients and been able to convince them to go retained off the back of a bad contingent experience. But I think that the... Um, you've, got, you've got to be confident you can deliver to it. It's not just, yes, you know, send me a cheque for however many thousand pounds or how many thousand dollars it's you know what are, what are you committing to and um, a lot of people forget as much as recruitment is a sales role we're professional service as well you know you talk you use the word service a lot um and i i always you know when i was managing my my teams in my last role it was you know see your job title it's recruitment consultant you know there's there is this consulting again yeah. but it's and i, th I think um Clients just need that education about what is what is the value that you bring, and it's you know a lot of the things that you spoke about. You save time, but I think the really the really big piece that people miss is um, when you're talking about talent. Is yes, you can put, and this applies equally to a startup as a big organisation because we all have brand perceptions, and that might be well, you know, um, ABC Pharma Company is rubbish because they've just got fined for this particular drug, but actually there's a lot more behind what you read in the, in the media. So I think the the, the big thing is, and I, I like to talk about being an extension of their brand and an, a brand ambassador for them. So it's, you know, let's tell let's tell the story. And, and that could be anything from, um, you know, interviewing the hiring manager or interviewing somebody from the team, getting getting some, some media behind it. But even if it's as simple as, yes, the company's gone through trouble time. Yes, they've got high turnover. Yes, they've done this, that and the other. Um, but this is what they're doing. This is why this role is so important. And that's why they need somebody like you because the company can do it themselves. They can bang out lots of emails on LinkedIn. They can stick up an ad. Um, and it's interesting um, at the moment, a lot of companies I talk to, they fall into two camps. They're either getting hundreds or thousands of applications to one ad or they're getting nothing. Um, and and I think the the retain piece is is absolutely about finding the right people, but it's also about how do you give candidates a positive journey? Um, and even for those then that aren't successful, do they go on to speak positively about the business and are they then people that would, might not be right for that position right now, but could be right for a job in six months time. Are they somebody that wants to then re-engage? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's where the retain model comes in as well, because when you're an extension to services you allude to is that there's so much more value that's added from that service because of talent pool in branding marketing all those things that makes it feel very different to other organizations um but, but something I, I guess just to change the narrative on the question which obviously should a recruitment business be a retained partner to an organization or stay as a contingent supplier because i just felt as i i just answered that from my point of view and if you rightly said it's a service to the client right and ultimately it's dependent on what the client think wants and, and as you said consulting them to not necessarily take on retain but say look here are the the retain the contingent options and, and you decide and and i think it's as a good recruiter it, it's or a good consultant as you say it's consulting the business on what's best for them and if they go yeah actually after what you said retains the option brilliant we'll go forward if it's contingent it's okay let's consider what that looks like and maybe we can't help but i know another agency that may be well placed and i think as you say the how 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 much better is that an experience for a client and from a service than actually just going well they're just going to say what they want to get their business right i, I speak to so many clients that are on PSL agreements and they they go oh we've got a love-hate relationship with our recruiter and it's always been that way and I, I just think why do you accept that why is that the the level that you go for and and I think both parties have to take responsibility the recruitment company has to provide a service and uh, a way of delivering but the client as well as to has to be able to see why they they wouldn't want that as a, as a relationship and recruitment is fascinating because I think that 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 feedback's been given for the last 20 30 years anyone i speak to in our industry it's the same thing that i oh, love hate relationship and if i use the healthcare example you wouldn't you wouldn't 
go to your consultant and be like, I've got a love-hate relationship with my consultant or my gym or whatever. You'd be like, no, I want the best service possible. And you speak to them, you ask the questions about what's your success rate, your fill rate, how often do your agencies do that? Like, some people say 10, 15%. And I'm like, why do you why do you stand for that? Why do you allow that? It's your company. You should be proud of the organization and let me, not necessarily, again, there may be a reason that they're not filling them because candidates may come in and there may be an issue in the client, but I think going deeper into what what do we expect from our recruitment partner is something that they should they should be asking and we should be educating them on because again you don't know what you don't know and, and people just think that's the way it is you have a love hate relationship with your recruiter they're self serving but actually there's a I think a new brand of recruitment that's started not just now I think it's been going for a while Ben and I'm sure you've been operating that way for some time but it's on us as well to champion that and not say you know clients are limited in their views and they've got big PSLs that are blockers it's like well. They might be, but how do we as recruiters articulate our value and our message in a way that makes them be like, you know what, they, they're they someone that's really going to add value to my my, my workforce challenges and, and we should work with them, right? Yeah, no, I, I think there's, I mean, there's clearly a big chunk of the market that's contingent. I, mean, I don't know what the split would be if you took, you know, kind of businesses like us, but um, I've had some really positive experiences with working on a contingent panel. Um, and that can be done again. There's an education process around that. Um, I mean, the, the the easy sales pitch is when a client says, "Oh, well, you're the fifth recruiter I've called." Is well, if you think about it, each agency is only going to give you twenty percent effort. Um, but if if they're saying, "Well, look, I I for whatever reason I need to go to one or two, or we need speed, or whatever it might be," we've made the decision to go two or three agencies. Well, let's respect that, but let's still instill the need for. Well, we need a proper briefing with the hiring manager. So. You know, can you bring all three agencies to that? Um, you know, can we have that direct engagement? Um, and if it is just very much really sitting behind a, a young recruiter with one, two years experience that's saying, well, you know, I have the power and I'm going to sit here and you have to deal with me and I'm going to do it, then you're just going to walk away from that. I think we've, we've got to have respect for our own time, but also companies will, will not learn unless they see that there's a strong, you continue to feed feed that sort of activity um that mindset that mindset won't change you know you, you said it really nicely you know why do they continue to accept it and i think that there's still a lack of um for, for most businesses and this applies just as much to, to big organizations as small they're not looking at the metrics that you spoke of you know time to fill um ratio of you know cvs to interview to fill uh, retention rates all those sorts of things um and those are super important. I spoke to a client last night. They have a staff of, well, another client yet, but they're, they're somebody that I'm pitching to. They've got, you know, their global workforce is 10,000 people. Their turnover last year was 3%. I mean, I was like, absolutely gobsmacked. I, I, I validated that from, from LinkedIn, not from, not from yeah. anywhere else. Um, and I'm only focusing on a small division, which is less than 100 people. So I'm not trying to deal with, with the rest of it because that's, that's not my ideal client. Um, but she had all the metrics there. She said, Ben, how do you know that? And I said, well, I pulled it off uh, Talent Insights on LinkedIn. She said, that's, you know, that's amazing. She said, we track this every month, all of the recruitment teams in it. Um, she said, if we go outside of a panel, we only deal with one, one agency. She said, it's contingent, but it's exclusive. I said, oh, that's you know, really, really refreshing. Briefing to come with the line manager. You can deal direct, just CC me in. Uh, I was like, wow, this is you know, exactly what I want to hear. Yeah, yeah. And and say answering the point around contingent or retain, that that it's an organization that obviously doesn't have too many faults in its bucket of recruitment, if you like, but they they use an agent when they when they know they need to, and they do it in a way that sounds really productive from a, a relationship point of view. And and I think as certainly as recruiters, if that was to always be the setup, I can I can understand why contingent would be used, right? They 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 want to incentivize the recruiter, and and ultimately we're we're going out headhunting and and trying to fill the process in a, in a really productive way. And if that relationships from both sides, that quality is going to be weaved uh, into all of those conversations. And and how much easier is that for the recruiter and also them to know that that's the the way it's it's progressing forward. So um, 
Have you ever not filled a retained role, Alex? We've always filled our retained roles. Now, I say that in a way that our volume of retained roles has only been increasing over the last sort of two or three years. Um, a lot of our stuff is, is still contingent and transitioning to contingent um, exclusive and then retained. But anything at a, a retained level, we've 100% filled, which is a great stat to be able to say to our clients um, yeah. and to, to be able to sit on that evidence behind us. So um, long may that continue as well, 100% fill rate. I don't know what that sits against the market, but... Uh, we're happy with that. Yeah, I think, um, I can't remember if it was like a corn ferry or one of those uh, companies, I think they said that the, the, the trend's like 98% fill rate or something. It is it is pretty good. I, I, it was only one that I didn't fill. And that was, um, funnily enough, somebody that had applied to the job that I hadn't shortlisted because I knew that he had um, some a troubled past and he went direct to the company and got the job. And then they found out about it and sacked him after three months. So... Uh, there's a little bit of indication there. Um, shall, we, shall we go into the tech piece now? Let's do it. All righty. Um, will technology replace the jobs of recruiters? I do not think so. Um, as we spoke about in the, the, the initial, I guess, off camera, maybe recorded, I can't remember, but... Uh, same with all the the cycles we've seen of, of evolution of industries. Obviously, tech has been what since is it ninety eight the the internet came in, but it's been evolving ever since, and will continue to do so. And I was I was in uh, Dubai last week for the Arab Health Conference in our industry, which is healthcare innovation event, and you see this technology being championed across all areas of healthcare. So say from primary care to hospitals and and even just at home care and, and knowledge, but. I think it's an amazing thing. And I think technology from that point of view, from an information access to care and other things, if I'm just using my industries, is going to be revolutionary and continue to be a huge impact. But I do think from a recruitment point of view within that, again, I think it's even more important that the human being shows up behind that. And I think the only way technology replaces the job of the recruiter is if the recruiter doesn't evolve with not the same rate because I think technology can evolve in its capacity in a different way, but we evolve, we continue to evolve and add value in a way that is so unique to human beings, which for me is the feel of the process. Uh, I don't know if you've read the book Unreasonable Hospitality by Will Gadira. I know it's promoted lots of different places, but he ran the number one restaurant in the world and his thing was uh, well the same, right? It's not not people remember how you made them feel don't they and I think if you do a very similar thing throughout your process and you really champion your organization through technology to enable you to do that all the time and to really maximize that um, I think the job of the recruiter will, will always be safe it may look different um, and in a good way because as I say as you alluded to the sequencing of outreach and messaging and process management some of the software we get to use now which is so much better than just sending a CV on an email gives the client control and gives them time back to review things in their own, their own time, leave comments, notes. Technology has been really influential in the communication through a process, but ultimately negotiating, understanding the candidates um, expectations throughout a process. Same thing for a client as well is something that I, I don't think will ever go. And I don't think I believe anyway, I don't think people want to get to a point where we're just speaking to robots the whole time and technology. I think we're human beings that love interaction, love, the magic behind human interaction, as I said earlier. And I think that's something that technology will help the best recruiters drive even more so is that ability to create the magic and the process and the feel. Um, and we certainly and certainly believe it's only a good thing that technology comes in and certainly don't believe it's going to replace us. If anything, it's only going to help us. Yeah, I've, 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 I've seen um, different so the last company I worked for had a very large commercial staffing business so that was anything from you know warehouse folks lorry drivers other bits um and the, the database would send automated sms's you know are you available what's your rate where are you staying those sorts of things I think that works really really well if you think about you know more more niche recruitment in our world or 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 even you know could be could be any sort of niche position um you know you can get a boss or something to or search search tools to to find the candidates but um you've still got to be able to get the person engaged in the process um you, know, you could have a list of 20 people if you don't have the ability to ask the right questions um and i always you know the people who talk about passive candidates um i, I don't really believe in the passive candidate i believe everybody's looking for a job all the time if you present the right opportunity okay. uh, and that's 
you know, asking the right sort of probing questions. Um, you know, what 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 would interest you if I did have a position? You know, what what would that look need to look like for you to want to consider making a move? Um, you know, who else is involved in this process? Um, but if it's very much, you know, what are you looking for? Well, I want this, this, and this. But you forget about the wife and kids that have to move countries, and you know, their parents that are living with them as well, and and all those other bits and pieces. Um, but it's it's a, uh, and I'm I'm showing my age a little bit. The I remember when job board started when I was in Australia and Seek started, and yeah. and, and I, I can't remember what year that was. Now it was around two thousand and four, two thousand and five, I think. Um, and up until that point, we were very much told, "I work for Hayes. Your database is your bible. Um, you know anything you need comes from there." And you know we used to mail shot our database by by physical posts, believe it or not. Um, and, um, you know, we used to sit there and we'd have candidate callback nights. We'd have to call 50 candidates of an evening to update their details, see if they were looking. Um, and now you can use automated e-blast and other bits to do all of that. But there's a lot of stuff that you miss if you think of what are the opportunities there. You, that you can get leads from candidates. You know, who have you interviewed with? What else is going on in your company? Are there new hiring managers? And all that stuff is so valuable to how you grow a business so you, can, you can be a mediocre recruiter but if you want to be you know above average or even a top performer you've got to get all those little snippets and you go oh you know alex has just moved in as the ceo of this company i'm going to reach out to alex um all 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 that good stuff and it's again you pique their interest because you can say oh i've heard that you've just been promoted it's not public knowledge uh, and again, you're able to engage in a conversation, a real conversation rather than this superficial, do you have any jobs or, you know, are you looking for a job sort of stuff? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think I say it allows all of the the things that we want to do or, or, or value doing to, to be done even more so, I say the consulting, the, the ability to have those personal interactions and that, as, as I referred to again, the, the magic of the conversation or the magic of the process is where, I think the recruiter has to sprinkle their their dust. Um, the technology will help with all those things, and some of those those tasks there. I say, I think fortunately, I've ne I've never had to do Ben uh, in terms of some of that manual labour bits from when I started. But I do also think there's a value that you've probably gained from doing those things that enables you to do what you're doing really really well now as well. And I think that's probably something that is striking the balance as people come into the world of of recruitment with all the tech and all the software that makes their lives easier. But but knowing that the those late nights those calling through and just updating records and those things that need to be done is is actually what probably the foundational skill sets built on so i think as i say it's going back to the question what makes what are the good recruiters doing right now to maximize at the moment they they recognize the the skill development required in in all areas and that may be the labor intensive things but actually what you're getting out of that is only going to equip you for those those you know those those magical conversations at the back end as well so yeah and and and, and the the, the the tools that are out there, I, I had the luxury of a little bit of time last year to look at a lot of a lot of tech um, just to see what was out there, what worked and what didn't work. I don't think there's really any, well, for a start, there isn't any one product that does everything and there'll be products that do some things better than others, but there's still a lot of gaps around, you know, what, what, what they can do to, if you look at kind of an end-to-end -end recruitment process, but the, the, the basic stuff, um, I think sport's always a good analogy um, when you relate it to sales and what we do is you, you've got to kind of do things over and over again. You've got to have conversations with 20, 30, 40, 50 people to realise actually that was a really stupid question or I could have asked that question, I could have opened a, asked an open question rather than a closed question to get what I need out of the client or need to get out of the candidate. Um, but if you're relying on a, an email that goes out and says, Alex, I've not heard from you or you're not interested, and you just get ignored. Um, whereas if you rang and said, Alex, I've been chasing you for weeks. I've not heard from you. Um, well, actually, you know, my partner's giving birth or whatever it might be. Yeah. Uh, and again, that's then the thing to say, well, look, you know, sorry, but you, and you might say, well, call me back in a month when I'm back in the office. Uh, we've actually got five, five vacancies open. But if you rely on the fact that your sequence finishes because we've not heard from Alex from five attempts, um, You've missed an opportunity. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I think it's it's an interesting one we're talking about in the office um, recently. And it's because you, you see all the the stuff around cold calling and people not wanting to do it anymore. And and I think yeah, is it 
is it easier to, to sit behind an email or a LinkedIn message? Absolutely. And, and write that and, and hope someone responds. But I think why is it what there's lots of reasons I'm sure why people don't like doing the cold calling it's obviously being a little bit brave and more courageous but I think actually it's from an, an organizational leader or, or people in bigger companies and why people aren't doing it it's, it's very easy to say they don't you know they just don't want to do it anymore they haven't got the skill to do it but I think there's a different message that say certainly for for people um, getting into recruitment is it's giving them the confidence that the what they're calling about is value right I think people they're a recruiter they think they're bothering someone but actually is as we've alluded to throughout, like we're we're doing what we do because we feel there's a real value exchange of having that person interaction, that engagement, this role. Like we've briefed the role exceptionally well. We know it could be a great opportunity for this person. And it's going into that dialogue being like, no, I'm I'm calling you with value. I'm calling you with an, uh, an opportunity. As, as you said, everyone's, there's actually things a passive candidate. Everyone's open to the opportunity that either makes their life easier, they get paid more as promotion. We know those key factors that people make decisions on. And you should people should be going to those conversations being like, I can give them that. I know this opportunity is right because we've done say an exceptional job with our client. We're only working with people that create great opportunities and great organizations to be a part of. And and people should be always believing that's what they're adding. Um say because it's been someone else who worked a colleague or an old colleague um who works in a bigger organization now and he was talking about the same challenges and he's like, you know, these youngsters they just don't want to get on the phone. And I'm like, well what why are they? Why are they? What jobs are you giving them? Are you making them feel as though they're really adding value? And I think there's certainly, uh, he was like, oh, maybe I'm not doing that. And then going down and really talking through that with people is is um, is important. And again, comes back to no wonder tech would replace people that don't feel they're adding value and they don't feel they're doing the job well because the candidate's having a bad experience, the client is. And, and then the candidate, the client goes, you know what, I'm better off just speaking to a bot because I'm not just being called by someone that's just reading the script, doesn't really believe in what they're saying and doesn't really know what they're talking about. But, yeah technology will replace that technology won't replace the person that is confident articulate understands the value they're adding and really trying to help them in their career um i, I think our industry is amazing and we do amazing things for people um and i go into every call believe in that and i think it comes across and that's why there's success behind that and i think if we can make everyone feel that it's going to have an impact on the, the way people feel about technology and human beings in the process and uh which one will, will obviously prevail do you, do you use ChatGPT or any sort of equivalent very much? Yes, for, uh, say, copywriting or, or things for certain emails, LinkedIn posts, ideas as well. I never go ChatGPT, copy and paste and, and run it in. I go, okay, well, this is what I'm trying to put together. And it's, it's, it blows my mind to think of the extent it can go to and what it can achieve um, in terms of just saving time on that aspect. But I think technology should always be a, a tool to be... Um, filtered through after or, or utilized by the recruiter in a way that makes their life easier but it never takes away the, the human engagement the personal bit so linkedin templates for example I'll, I'll never although i have templates and it may take a little bit of time but there's always an element of personalization within there because you get the the tools that can personalize and put the job title in or their role whatever but i do i do think especially the roles we work as well i think you made a good point earlier volume roles where it's you know, sending out messages to people for a, a maybe a warehouse operator, whatever that may be. And it's just about a pound an hour and the job's not a career move. It's just a job to do a, a function for them in their life. But working at a senior level and you're trying to engage a an ops director in an organization in a certain way, like it's valuable for me to go through and look at their social channels, look at what they do and actually make it really personal. Um, and I think that's why the stat in terms of filling 100% of our retained roles or if a client comes to us and says, look, I'm, I need you to go and get this person for me while well, we're really good at doing that because it, it is a level of depth that goes into to, to engaging that person. My, my business partner is, he, he writes like a doctor, but writing personal letters to people and sending that to them, their organisation, I think, as a candidate, imagine receiving that all the time and you'd be like, this, this person's really taking the approach to me seriously. And I think, Okay, going back to the question, will technology replace the job of recruiters? Only if the recruiter doesn't keep leveling up themselves and thinking of ways, how do they engage candidates and clients in a way that's going to add value? So, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, you can spot the stuff that's, well, I wouldn't say spotted easily, but um, it's it's amazing at the time. So, I mean, I think where I've seen, you know, I, I use it for, for copywriting to your point, but very much for ideas generation and even just if I'm talking to an organisation and it's, can you tell me the competitors of this organization in this market? And yeah. five seconds later, because um, you put the same thing into a Google search, it'll give you a lot of crap that you can't 
lot of stuff that you can't really work through. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's mind blowing in that way. But again, it comes back to how good is the person that's putting the inputs in, you know, I can, you to your using whole heap of prompts is great, but you've still got to, you still got to push it and joust with it the same way that you would if, you know, you and I were having a debate about something. Um, but yeah, super, super cool tech. Um, I'll, I've seen some, um, what was it the other day? It was a, it was a sales, um, AI tool and it was, I don't, I don't know if you've ever seen it where somebody was ringing up to buy a Tesla, um, and there was a conversation back and forth between this virtual salesperson and, you know, um, and it was, it was really, really good. But again, you're, you're talking about something that is a Tesla is a Tesla, right? It comes in five colors and. Um, I'm not I'm not a big Tesla fan, but you know, uh, it comes in five colors. There's not a lot of variance in it. Um, that's fairly easy. But if you start talking about, well, you know, I want to, I don't know, something custom built, or you know, you want to pick pick the colors, pick the wheels, pick the leather, all the other bits and pieces. That's still maybe it'll get to that point. But you know, we're in we're in the people business. It's there's so many variables. And um, I was talking to a friend of mine who's not in not in recruitment. Um, and they were asking Ben, how's it, how's it going um, with with your business? And I said, well, it, it's it's such a frustrating job because you can get excited. I want a new client, but then you've only done half of it. You've now then got to go and find somebody else who's then interested to work with the client. And then when they meet, you've got to get them to like each other. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's uh, there's there's all that um, uh, all that stuff that you've got to influence and reinforcement that you've got to do. There is absolutely well, I shouldn't say there's no way ever, but I just can't. I can't see that 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 influencing skills, the, the any of that being taken away. Yeah, yeah, I, I certainly agree. And as I say, going back to the point of, I think the industry has to keep championing that because those things you alluded to there, although you can simplify them in the way you uh, articulated them, there's there's so many touch points elements within that that process that is always on the balance of whether it's going to move forward or not. And it's the skill and the ability to, to run that through. I'm sure we both have processes where you, you think, you know, that's an absolute banker. Uh, that's definitely going to happen. And it doesn't happen. And the other way around as well, oh, I'm not quite sure this one's as, 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 as strong as that other candidate or that other client, but the magic happens in the room is between them. And ultimately um, we can only do so much within the process as well. And goes back to a point we made earlier around um, like, should it be retained or should it be uh, contingent? We're only as good as the client, right? We're, and, and that's for us to decide which clients we work with and say we're, we're bringing people together, but ultimately they're the people that are going to be working together. So it's, uh, I think, understanding that and just knowing where our role was within that process and then really getting very, very good at how we do that that role um, rather than just having our own ideas and, and thinking that's what they value is listening, it's understanding, and it's, it's, it's going deep into the areas that... Um, that they need help with and that's just thinking about some of the product development we've been doing recently i think you could as you alluded to about tesla there's a very sort of one size well five colors it's a tesla which one do you which model do you choose but i think for how we have been trying to sort of shape our product recently as well ben is going right what's the 80 like we we believe we're very good at this and we will offer this value but what's the little bit that the client needs to co-create with us that actually is valuable. Some clients go, you know what, I want you to screen and go through all of our, 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 our internal um, applications. Cause we just don't have the time to do it. Some clients may just want us to do the interview management process. Some clients want to do the offer management and they, like, we have to have a, an element in our product that is always, um, it is always for the client to help decide, but also being confident, as I say, to know, no, this is the thing we do really well and this is going to add value to you. And, and say co-creation is a word that just springs to mind as we were talking about that there as well. Slight tangent, but hopefully uh, adds to the conversation. Yeah, it is. A, a, and it's, I, I think that there's an element of flexibility. Um, You've you reminded me of something where, you know, when you talk about negotiating your fees, um, you know, what part of the service don't you want? You know, we, we do this for this, um, and it used to be, you know, thinking kind of like a checklist. Well, you take out your replacement guarantee, or you you don't do the reference checks. I mean, reference checks look very different in the UK to what they do in other markets. But um, or you know, we can we can slice and dice it. So it might just be we we postbox for you. You send us all the applications you get, and and you know we'll screen 
and we'll give you the best however many um and it is i think you know you, you don't want to go down too many rabbit holes where you're doing lots of small pieces um and i remember you know doing a market map thinking oh this would be great because i'm going to make you know ten thousand dollars out of doing this exercise for a company but the opportunity cost of doing that was yeah. just too too big i mean yeah i learned a lot so probably added value to my skill set in that way but if i'd invested the same amount of time um you know potentially could have got two deals that were worth twice that price yeah again that's one of the trade-offs right is, is always as you as you grow as an organization or, or get deeper into these things that opportunity cost starts to to present itself all the time right when you have access to to lots of different things you could do i think the best yeah, going back to the best recruiters as well and the, the best organizations it's it's, it's understanding where their their real value add is and where they're going to make money and i'm sure there's so many companies that get to a point they're like well, i could do this could do that could do this could do that but actually it's that we've mentioned at the start staying in your lane and, and knowing where your real value add is and going as deep as possible into that we use a sport analogy earlier i don't know if you know the is it uh the footballer i am robin who played for chelsea and then uh Bayern munich but he was famous for just cutting in and bending in the top corner every time and everyone's like I know he's going to do it I know he's going to do it but he did it every time and that's different to the guy who's just a maverick who does lots of different tricks and skills or whatever uh, I don't know if anyone will listen to this as a football fan but the person that you know is going to guarantee and whip it in every time that's the value exchange that you're going to you're going to buy right and I think as recruiters and as any organization um working in a niche specializing and, and really knowing what your value add is, is is super important to be able to articulate that to a client and then ultimately deliver for them yeah and I think that that's, um, you know, you ask the question, you know, what does the future look like? I think more and more um, that's really where what clients are going to be looking for is, you know, can we get a, a reliable partner that can um, work alongside us, that can add the value, but also can can do it consistently as well. It's not just, you know, we can, you know, get lucky and get a, get a candidate in for you. But I think process is important again without overcomplicating recruitment. I think having a robust process around how you're doing things, um, but also being clear about what you will and will not do as part of as part of that. I think there's there's um, there's a lot, particularly if you look at um, in my world. One of the struggles that I have is a lot of academics that become founders for the first time and they don't necessarily have the commercial now of you know how to run a business. They've got their advisors and whether they're board members or, or other things. Um, but their expectations uh, of of what you do, which presents an opportunity, but there's also a, a challenge and a risk at times, um, is you know thinking that you you're some sort of magician, and and it is very much are they are they a good client? Are they going to work alongside you and be realistic about what that looks like um, to enable you to be successful? And if they want just somebody that's going to throw mud at the wall and hope it sticks, then you know certainly for me and I think for you as well, we're not going to be the right sort of businesses for them. Uh, absolutely. absolutely it probably would have been interesting to have someone who has <coughs> a different approach so i think we're quite aligned in probably the roles that we do and the retained element and doing things to a de depth of a level It'd be good to get insight that we, we all like confirming our own biases don't we and i'm sure i've definitely done that and heard thanks ben that's actually confirmed a lot of thoughts in my mind but getting someone who maybe thinks about it slightly differently would be um certainly interesting from uh another point of view or a podcast because i think again always good to get difference of opinion and to to talk about TRN, certainly some of the events I've been going to and speaking to people from different industries and backgrounds and different, they have their own challenges and opportunities and their own business and it feels and, and looks very different. It's really been great to bring that back into the organisation. Um, and I think say, answer some of those questions around uh, what do the good recruiters do, all, all those other things about the future of recruitment. I think it's those that are able to to take snippets and educate themselves and take their, 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 their value proposition through a, a robust audit or whatever that may be with lots of different ideas again ultimately as we come back to a service business how do we keep adding more service to our clients that's going to serve their their goals in the next 12 to, to 18 months and that may look different with different industries but i think if we're always staying close to that narrative of right we, we say it in ours everybody wins and we go if the client wins the candidate wins we'll do all right at the back end i think when people get that the wrong way around when they think about they win first and the client wins and the candidate wins i think that's when um people fall into a, a, a sticky wicket, if you like. Um, I think we keep that narrative as, as great recruitment companies and great organisations and certainly say from the relationships over TRN, there's certainly a whole host of, of recruitment companies that live in that way. And I know Gordon and, and the team are always promoting that. And I think it has a great impact on how, say, we as recruiters will hopefully 
continue to to add value to, to people we work with yeah um as you were saying that i was i was thinking of a um mate of mine who works for one of the you know the i don't know whether the number one or number two he probably says the number one but one of the biggest staffing companies in the world and he's, he's got a pretty nice gig um looking at tech he would be quite um controversial because he does see technology taking increasing um role in, in recruitment but again you know the types of projects they work on is a client comes and says we need 300 people here and we need them tomorrow it's very different from the, the type of type of stuff that we do um and i think that the um you know the opportunity for, for us really is just to keep challenging keep challenging the status quo and it's um it's asking why you know why why do you do that or why do you think that um because it will it will uh, i think the next um the next couple of years are going to be really really transformative in what we do how we do it where we do it um and you know you see lots of people that are sitting in bali and other places um you know running a recruitment desk which is all very fabulous but um you know there's a real energy that you get when you walk into a client's office and sit down with them and get to know them um and and, and I, you spoke about that book you know people remember the service um, a different analogy I was given was, you know, when you go to a, I can't remember who it was, but it was a training course to um, people that work as cashiers in supermarkets that, you know, when you give the money back, you, you know, you don't sort of tip the coins in, you touch the person's hand and it's that connection that creates the the feel good that they want to come back again. Yeah. Yeah. Funny you say that actually about touching hand. One of our, our KPIs, if you like, and obviously we have our general KPIs around, uh, obviously revenue placements that type of thing or, or interview conversions but one of them for the quarter was about how many people have we sh have we shaken hands with um and i think it's uh it's quite a refreshing one just to remind people of yeah teams and, and online and everything else is great and it's a world that is so well connected now but even yesterday i came to the back of a we signed up a new client this week and came to the back of the the meeting with the recruitment manager and just said look i'm in the business of shaking hands let me know when i can come to glasgow and sit down and he was just like that's that's so refreshing to hear and i love to get that booked in and i think say that you, and you get so much more out of that as well when you sit in that room as well from a, a personal point of view you, you get to learn the organization the people and it opens doors i think of another client we signed in, in january that's the, the typical thing we don't have any roles no point in sitting down and i'm like look i'm, I'm not here to, to get your roles i'm here just to learn more about you and know how how you guys are setting up for 2024 and beyond. And we had a, a great dialogue around candidate engagement, branding. They had a real gap for they're quite a small company and they had a HR individual that was spread too thin and say, just given the insight into what, what we do and what we have done, they they came back after that, after reflection, that it'd be brilliant to work with you guys. And that wouldn't have been the case if I didn't go sit down with them and show the message of our organization and talk through the values that we obviously work by. And I think say that, that sort of KPI has been quite a nice one of um, just tracking along how many how many hands have we sh have we uh, shake shake this this quarter and I think it plays plays uh, dividends into the the back end results that we're looking to generate too. Yeah, absolutely. That's probably a nice place to finish, Alex. I think so.